Hey gang, do you find yourself listening to your music on one app and then listening to your podcast on another app? If you do, stop this insane behavior right now and download Spotify. Spotify is home to all of your favorite music and all of your favorite podcasts. Podcasts including Fly on the Wall, the Saturday Night Live podcast with Dana Carvey and David Spade, the Rock on Tours podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt, old favorites like Fresh Air, My Favorite Murder, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Look, if you're looking for a news podcast or sports or entertainment or true crime, look, if you're if you're looking for a sewing podcast or an RV podcast, Spotify has all of this for you. That's Spotify, all of your favorite music and all of your favorite podcasts in one place. Find it in your app store and start listening today. That's Spotify, music and podcasts. Let's get down. Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. And you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? It's time for How Did I Get Here? And now here are your Hello, I'm Johnny. I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys all had a good week, whatever it is you did this week. Oh, man, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this show, this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you got a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you chose this one means a lot to me, so thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. You know, we're available wherever it is you stream and download podcasts. Normally, we have shows that come out every Tuesday and every Friday. This week was a special week because we've had a lot, a lot of interviews uh, over the last couple of weeks. So I released three shows this week. Monday, it was His Golden Messenger. On Wednesday, I talked to Common Kings about their trip to, uh, to Lahaina, Maui, the concert that they played on Sunday. Great conversation. And today, I'm talking to Atlanta, Georgia, Country music duo, The Waymores, Kira Annalise and Willie Heath Neal. Really, really nice people. Very, very talented. They got a brand new record that came out last, last week called Greener Pastures. And they're kicking off the Greener Pastures album release tour today in Pensacola. And gang, they're going to be in the, in the area next week. On Wednesday, September 6th, they'll be at Redbud Listening Room in New Braunfels, Texas. Friday, September 8th, they'll be in Shamrock, 
Community Center in Shamrock, Texas. Then they're heading out to the West Coast. They're going to be on tour for two months till the end of uh, of October. But they're swinging back through the area. Uh, they'll Tuesday, September 26th, they'll be at Big Top Shoeshine Charlie's, one of my favorite places there in Houston, right uh, a couple doors down from the uh, Continental Club. My favorite place there in Houston. Don't tell anyone, but that is my very favorite place. Uh, Wednesday, September 27th, they'll be at Giddy Ups here in Austin. Friday, September 29th, the Dosi Do in the Woodlands, Texas. Go to thewaymores.com to find out more about when they're coming to a town near you. Okay? That's what's going on, man. So uh, I have a great conversation with Kira Annalise and Willie Heath Neal. Their brand new record, Greener Pastures, that came out last Friday, it's available on vinyl, came out on Austin label, Chicken Ranch Records. Even though they're from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, they're on this label here in Austin, Chicken Ranch Records. Anyway, go to thewaymores.com to find out more about uh, their affiliations and how to get the vinyl and all that kind of stuff. This record was produced by legendary producer, Shell Talmy. Now he produced uh, The Kinks, you really got me. He produced The Who, My Generation, and tons and tons of records uh, after that. Now, I didn't know much about him when I talked to them, but then I went back through my uh, Rock on Tours with Gary Pratt and, uh, sorry, with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt, which is a podcast called The Rock on Tours. Great, great podcast. And uh, I found the episode with Shell Tell Me and ended up listening to it and found out all about him. He's a legendary, legendary producer that is American, but made his way over to England and produced these, these legendary rock and roll records. Anyway, they came across his desk and, uh, and he ended up hearing their music and they got together and went out to Los Angeles and made this record greener pastures, really great experience, live record. They all recorded in the same room, just like a legendary kind of country record. The songs are all duets, really beautiful songs. Some cover songs are on there. They wrote some songs for it. In fact, I'll be playing the song greener pastures, which I thought was a great song. Uh, that's on the record. But we have a really great conversation about how uh, Kira and Willie met, how he reluctantly got into this relationship with her. It's really, really fascinating. Finally settled into it after a while. I think they've been together a little over a decade or something. And then they started playing together back in 2018 just because their own bands were taking a break and they started the Waymores and they realized that there was some magic there with them. And there really is, man. I have a really great conversation with them. They're extremely cool people that talk about all kinds of stuff, how it's like, uh, how it is to get through this sort of, uh, this job with a partner that you're also romantically partnered with, that you're always with all the time, how they get along so much better on the road than when they're home for too long. It's a lot of laughs, but uh, but a lot of honesty. So I want to thank Kira and Willie for being so straight up and talking about all their stuff. Greener Pastures is the name of the record. Get out there and check it out. And gang, they're on tour for the next two months. Go to thewaymores.com. Find out if they're coming to a town near you. And please, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Kira and Elise and Willie Heath Neal, The Waymores. Let's get down. What's it worth for you to have How you doing? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, man. Very good. This record, Greener Pastures, is fantastic, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Also, what a what an odd having Shell tell me, like like a guy like me who's interested in like in engineers and producers and shit, like I didn't even know that guy was still alive. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, mean that in a, a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, we did. Uh, it's a it's been a wild ride. Uh, we had 
zero plans to make an album this soon after our second album. Right. And, uh, uh, like very below zero plans to make a, an album with Shell County. Yeah, we right. uh, we had. Yeah. yeah, I mean, after um, Stone Sessions was released, I mean, it was three, like three months, and we were in the studio making yeah. another album, and we were like, dang, yeah, because you know Shell came on; it was all kind of spontaneous how our relationship began with him. So, you know, we were we were touring for Stone Sessions and trying to get material together for Greener Pastures. Wow. And there he was. Uh, what was it like working with him? Like, how, I mean, is he pretty with it? I mean, he's in his age. Oh, yeah. Shell's yeah. so been blind uh, for his entire career. Really? I think um, early adulthood. Yeah. So uh, early on in life, he decided that he wanted to be a filmmaker. And then he and his brother both ended up with this degenerative eye disease. And it took their sight from both of them, but they knew it was coming. So Shell was like, oh, I guess I got to change my path a little bit. I can't be a filmmaker and be blind. I'm going to do music. So he's been blind for the majority of his adult life. Wow. And uh, it really, you know, they say like it heightens uh, sure. your other senses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I truly believe that, you know, he's, he's changed the course of music history because uh, of his ears. And so he was a pleasure to work with. Um, he was just really, you know, we fully expected he and all of the players to have like a huge ego because they're very deserved of that right. ego because their you know resumes are just miles long and uh, none of them they all treated us yeah. like equals they yeah. were incredible to they were all very complimentary of the songs that we wrote ourselves yeah um, it was just a, an unbelievable bunch to work with yeah. You guys are great songwriters. That Greener Pastures song itself is, is a great, great song. Thank you, Thank you very you so much. much. Yeah. Um, it's funny, the, the higher up you go in this, in, in show business, the cooler people are. I think it's because you can't take anything from them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So I read a quote the other day that I kind of fell in love with. It said, competition happens at the bottom. Yeah. The people at the top collaborate. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's fantastic because that's all that we've experienced is like that our peers that are at a higher level than us. Uh, all they want to do is like create and help bring you up. It's the people that are like at your same level or a little bit beneath you that make you like they kind of they want you to succeed, but not more than them. Right. Yeah, that's really true. That's really true about Nashville. When I lived there, it was, you know, everyone's jealous of everybody. It's if you're getting part of something, yeah, that I'm not, you know. Yeah. You're not deserving of There's that. I should have enough to go. Around. I had several things snaked away from me in Nashville, you know. So it's you're right though. There's just no time as you get further along. You know, there's no time for that kind no. of immature shit. Yeah, I try to stay as busy. You're so busy that we don't even notice when other people are more successful yeah. than we are. Right. We try to stay very busy so that we just pay attention to our our grass and not the neighbors. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um. <laughs> Time at work. <laughs> you guys, you guys are in Atlanta. Yeah, I like it out there, man. It's fun. Yeah, it's, you know, Me it's down. a little bit hard to be a country act in this town. Yeah, uh, there's there's very few of us, uh, but you know, it's it's good camaraderie when you do find the people that are making the same style of music as you. Um, it's a really great hub for touring. Yeah, and there's some good players anywhere. in this town. Yeah, yeah, you know, my, a lot of them have moved on and gone. You know. Austin or Nashville, but there's still some good players. It's hard to be a country act in a hip hop town. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty R and B and hip hop focused city. Yeah, uh, There's tons, tons of art and tons of musicians. 
just not doing what, you know, what we do. Right. I saw some video of you guys at Smith's Old Bar. And I think, is that the place with the treacherous, very thin stairs? Yeah. And you have a Marshall half stack, it ruins your life going up there? Yeah, they have, a, now, they, yeah. they have an elevator put in now. Yeah, but, good. Uh, you, know. yeah. You, can't, you can't go up with it. But, and mo- like, I think maybe 50% of the time it works. Yeah. So. <laughs> every time every time we play, like, man, at least they have an elevator, it's never worked. Yeah, it's never like, worked. Damn it. We haven't been so lucky as to get the elevator yet, but when our day is coming. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I remember that distinctly just because I had such a great time playing there, but really such an awful time oh, loading yeah. in and out. Yeah. is pretty heinous. Yeah, we really like Smith. Really Smith has been us. really good to us. Uh, we just did a great show at Eddie's back in uh, February. Eddie's is another big venue here, and it's more of a listening room. Uh-huh. And uh, for our previous album, Stone Sessions was kind of more singer songwritery. Right. And uh, this one is definitely like I'm thrilled to put this out and do our album release show with the full band because I think that that's the way to hear this. A lot of the songs, more of the songs on this one than any of our other albums don't translate to just the duo. Um, you need that like kind of backing band on these just because it's the people that put the work into it were really incredible. You really, I mean, you have like a serious fucking all-star band playing on there. Like, well, how did yeah, we get that? That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. That's yeah, insane. Incredible. Uh, and they were, did you guys cut it live? Like old school? It, so the drummer was the only person isolated from okay. the rest of us in the Live. Just because we didn't like him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Chris did all the guy vocal, and I played and led the band. Uh, you know, well led. Played along, you know. And then we overdubbed my vocals and her harmony parts. But her, her scratch vocal was so good that they just kept it. The only scratch vocal we didn't end up using, and that was because I threw a little fit about it, was Hill Country Waltz. Uh, I really didn't like my scratch. All the others, we kept the scratch vocal on, but... Uh, I needed shell changed a lot of the cadence uh, of that song and had me put um, emphasis on different syllables than how it was originally written. And so while singing the guide, I really hadn't uh, spent enough time with it under that cadence. So I came back the next day and tried to, uh, you know, do as Tammy Wynette as I possibly could. And uh, that was the only one that we overdubbed for me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of comparison to like a June Carter Cash and Tammy Wynette and, uh, and, uh, Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton. I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard the Tammy Wynette and, uh, what was the crazy guy? I'm drawing a blank. George Jones. Yeah. yeah. George Jones. <laughs> yes. I started watching that, uh, that, uh, mini series or whatever at my grandma's house, but I don't have showtime. I watched like the first yeah. one. It's a pretty dark story. Those guys. It's a very dark story. They were, uh, my favorite quote from George Jones was, uh, he said, Tammy Wynette loved me and I tortured her for it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that that's really like such a great version of how their love was. Uh, you know, they were both kind of sick a little bit and a lot of it. And, uh, brilliant, but they were both very sick and, uh, just, you know, used the wrong things to kind of get over that sickness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and don't try to get your George and Tammy history from that documentary. No, I it don't. It's inaccuracy. The, okay. the history part of it is inaccurate. But it's, just, so it's, it's still entertaining yeah. to watch, but it's just riddled with inaccuracy. Yeah. Uh, if you want really 
George and Tammy history, you should listen to Cocaine uh, and Rhinestones. Cocaine and Rhinestones, <laughs> uh, the episodes about season, them. Yeah, season yeah. two is all George. It's unbelievable. Day. It's really Wait, incredible. Cocaine and Rhinestones. What is that? A, a podcast? It's a podcast. It's a, yeah. it's a country music podcast. It really talks about like the darker side of country music. And the first season is really good too, but the second season is all the George and Tammy universe. Okay. I'm going to get into that. Thank that's you. How, that's how we knew. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's hosted by Tyler Mahan Co., who's David Allen Co.'s son. But, uh, and he starts the thing with, uh, these are stories I grew up with. And as far as I know, this is the truth about this one. But, uh, you know, he gives you all of his references where, and so we knew so much about their lives from listening mm-hmm. to that. And we were watching that. She was like, that is wrong. Yeah. That is wrong. You know, it's still a very entertaining It's still, it's still entertaining to watch. Yeah. yeah. If you like, if you like to watch people destroy their lives together, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you don't have like a very anxious soul and you yeah. can get through that, yeah, it's very entertaining. <laughs> um, I, there's there's a lot. I'm glad that we ended up getting to do this together because when Wendy was like, "Oh, do you want to just talk to Kira alone? Nothing against you, Kira, but this story is definitely the two of, of you together. Yeah. You know, Always. the story of this yeah. of this music. You don't really Go ahead. do interviews alone very often. I think we've had to do one. Uh, I am just today finally testing negative for COVID. Uh, so we're, we're just getting over that. So we were coming out of a slump. Willie had to do one interview by himself, but we don't like it that yeah, way. Like we like to be together. Yeah. Do that. So that I can correct everything he says. Yeah. He can, <laughs> she can get all the facts wrong and attribute yeah. Tammy on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one can go rogue in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's, I'm always fascinated with, I'm a musician myself and a songwriter, and I've been doing this for a long time, but I could never even fucking fathom being in a, in a mu- musical relationship as well as a, <laughs> as well as a romantic relationship with somebody. Cause I'm so bad at both that it would just be like, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we spent a lot of years being really bad at the romantic relationship part. Our, our first five years. five years or so Pretty rough. awful. We were terrible to each other, but we got it together. We've been together for 15 years now. Um, so I'm thankful that we got it together. It took until about 2018 for us to like start touring together and make the Waymores. And uh, we really didn't expect it to get feet under it. We were just doing this to kind of pay the bills while we were off the road with our separate full bands. Uh-huh. Uh, and it just kind of took off and we fell in love with it. Just the two of us because we came home and we actually made money. Right. Right. And we got a, like, you know, a slew of players to pay. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it got started. And everybody always wants to ask us like, how do you guys like keep from strangling each other when you're in the van, like living in the, cause we tour a lot. We tour about 150 days a year right now. And that's down from 200 right. a couple of years ago. Um, it's only when we're at home for too long that we really get like nippy with each other. We don't, we like the van is pretty blissful. We love living in the van and right. yeah, uh, life on the road is great, but it's when we're home and we have too much space. Touring with each other is, is easy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's making music with each other is easy. Um, I don't know how to be so I don't know how to sit still. I can't. I'm, I've been moving my whole life, and so if we're sitting home, I get, it's I get antsy. Something, you know, I need to be going. I always make the joke that before when I was married, I'd go on tour, and uh, you know, then I'd have my wife at home mad at me because I was going on the road. Now I go on tour, and I have my wife 
mad at me in the seat next to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Forever. I was married for like 10 years and I was on the road for almost all of it. And, uh, and people are always like, Oh, is that what happened? Cause you were gone so much. I was like, no, at the end I came home for like six months and it was like a, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. fuck are you so, doing in my uh, house? <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I think the whole reason that Willie and I made it through the first year was because he was touring for his album out of highway and he was on the road at the time, like 200 days a year. So that's probably the only reason that we survived that first year. And then, you know, uh, coming after, out of that, like I said, we were pretty awful to each other. But then one day we just decided to be nice. Yeah, it was rough at first because, like she was saying, I had, it was my fourth or fifth album come out of my solo career. And I was gone a lot. And I didn't, I had just gone through a divorce and another serious relationship. I didn't want a relationship. You know, I was not going to have it. And she saw it different. <laughs> she, you know, she I, I did want a relationship and I won. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. You won. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. I, did you, yeah, guys, did you guys awesome. do you like any therapy or anything like that? Nope. No, just, just drank a lot. <laughs> 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 oh my god even my, uh, no, even my dog thought that was funny <laughs> we um you know i was i was really young when i met willie i was 22 years old and uh so i had a lot of growing up to do i had a little toddler at home and uh i think that a lot of the us kind of deciding to be less horrible to each other was him kind of giving in and saying like, okay, I do have feelings for this person and want a relationship and me saying, uh, I need to grow up a little bit and be the person that he wants to be with. Um, so we'd, we'd run into arguments where like each time he was like, look, you, it's fine if you want to do things your way, but you're going to do them alone and without me. And so I would have to then make a decision. Like, do I want to do this or do I want to be with him? And every time it was, I wanted to be with him. Wow. Yeah, you know, we together because we, you know, we chose to be. Right. And we'd separate her a little bit, but then I would generally miss her. She, you know, she made me laugh, and she was a great songwriter. And but look at this thing. a beautiful woman. <laughs> you know, but it was, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I genuinely missed being around her when she wasn't being crazy. <laughs> 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 well, there's like the inherent craziness that comes with figuring out being an adult. And if you bring someone yeah. else into it, you can, you can really drive yeah. someone mad. I'm 30, 38 now, and I'm still kind of figuring out, you know, how to be an adult. Yeah. Uh, Lily has definitely helped with that. My son has definitely helped with that. Um, but, you know. She's a good adult. We have our moment. Yeah. We're, we're all human. Yeah. So, um, so. Let me ask you this: What you you're on this label, Chicken Ranch Records, and I'm somebody. One of your I've had one of your label mates on, Caleb DeCasper. Oh yeah, we love Caleb. And uh, I can't remember uh, can't remember the name of the next person that says somebody's coming on like next week or something from that same label um, from Chicken Ranch. JM. Is it JM Stevens? No, it's uh, Ken- Kenobi. Ke- Co- oh, Como Rebbe. Como Rebbe, yeah. I knew I was going to mess that up. That's why I didn't want to say yeah, it. Thank she's, you. Yeah, she's uh, big time stuff over in India. Yeah. She, uh, she's been in like Rolling Stone and 
Um, just she's she's fantastic. We actually won South by Southwest a couple we of years ago. We were roommates with her for the week. Oh, awesome! We'd get uh, up. I mean, late. We'd come. We'd get up in the morning, and one of her shoes would be in the kitchen, and the other one would be out in the yard. She's wild, man. We <laughs> love her. Wild. They were like, "What did she do?" <laughs> so, so it was you- great. Do you guys have a pretty strong connection to Austin? I saw that you're coming here. Uh, you're playing on September 6th at the uh, in New Braunfels, and then you're going to be back at Continental Club later on in September and giddy-ups and stuff. So we're, we're trying. There was a little bit of confusion with the Continental Club date. We're trying to work that out right now. Uh, the Mellows are actually on that date right now, but they um, are hopefully going to give it to us because they're wonderful. Um or split the night with us, but we're definitely at um, Redbird Listening Room on September 6th in New Braunfels, and we're at, definitely at Giddy Up in Austin, in South Austin, Okay, um, on the 27th. So yeah, I saw you guys played here at South By and stuff like that. Do you guys play here regularly? Do you hang out here? Do you have friends? Yeah, and we do. We've but done, yeah, we've, we've done come. Continental several times. Uh-huh, we've done both. Spoke a few times, Continental, several times. We've done, you know, we uh, with our label being based out of Austin, Texas, we try our best to, you know, and we love touring out west too. So it's a great way to just get out there. Yeah, yeah, we spend a good amount of time in Texas. That's great, man. Who uh, who are your people here? Like, what what musicians here are your bros? So our um, songwriting partner actually lives in Austin and yeah. plays out there day of the week johnny mcgowan he's got a band called johnny mcgowan and the rugged gents okay i don't know them and they're fantastic uh you're you should definitely go check them out they do a lot at um i know he does broken stroke he dark does horse. white horse okay the white horse and sagebrush i think um you know he had saw like the big spots uh but he's i think just one of the best pickers out there and unbelievable songwriter uh, he wrote Hill Country Waltz for us on this one. He's a great song too, by the way. Oh, God, I love that song so much. Yeah. I wasn't even sold on that one. He sent us like probably seven or eight demos that he had done um, of songs that he had written and just either didn't have plans to put out or hadn't put them out yet. And uh, that was in the bunch. And at first when I heard it, it was a very, very slow version of it. And I just wasn't sold on it. I wanted kind of like a ballad for me on this, but needed it to be a little more upbeat than that. And uh, then we came through Austin and saw him at Little Longhorn. Yeah, uh-huh. Denny's Little Longhorn. And he played it live, and I was just like, oh, that's my song. I have to have that. And so I just, you know, told him I was going to steal it from him. And Yeah, he played a little faster live yeah. and was on his demo. And you could just hear a little bit more, like, soul in his voice. than you know, when you're demoing and you're at your own house, just kind of like, let's get through it. This is just for placement. Uh, but I just fell in love with it when I heard it live. And, um, luckily he approved of all of the changes that we made and, uh, really likes the new version too. That's awesome, man. Yeah. This record, it really is great. Are you guys going to continue to sort of like create in this, uh, sort of traditional sounding vein? I think that we'll probably do a good mix of this and what we were doing before. Right, right. So I really love the singer songwriter version of us both. Um, I like the way that we write this one. We did kind of change that to be specific for this sure. kind of like late 60s, early seventies vein of country music. Yeah. It's the first time we ever wrote for a project. We usually just kind of write and we have enough songs 
put an album together, you know? Right. Uh, this from the first, cause we went to shell in two different sessions. We were supposed to just do two songs with him. And from that grew, he was like, we've got to do eight more. Mm-hmm. Um, so we already had the template kind of set, you know, cause we did a Buck Owens tune and a Marty Robbins tune. So we already knew that it was, had that traditional country sound to it. So we wanted to, the songs that we had, we already had, you know, several songs that they didn't fall. Yeah. And they just didn't feel like they, they didn't feel like they belonged on the album. So we went out of our way to write. And this is why we got Johnny involved because that guy writes in that vein constantly. That's the only way he writes, you know? Right. right. And uh, so I'm not sure we don't, you know, I'm sure a little bit of that's that stink from this record is going to stay with us. Um, Beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, we're not, we're certainly not going to force anything, but I think that we definitely learned a lot from shell and from all of the players on this album. So I would be, if that didn't bleed over into our future songwriting yeah yeah it's funny because it is it's almost like a broken spoke style of songwriting yeah yeah like specifically yeah. made for that place yeah yeah, yeah. and the, yeah it's that two-step kind of you know i and, love it and the arrangements and stuff that shell did you know yeah on these are very classic countries like when you listen to a lot of classic country you know, on our other albums, you know, we have long solo breaks and stuff right. in there, man. You a lot of that classic country stuff. There wasn't a lot of that. It was, you know, half of the half of the chorus, you know, the back half of the chorus is what they would play or just a turnaround. You know, there weren't long solo breaks in these things, you know, and it's, I, and I really, I never thought I'd be a fan of that, but I kind of am. Now I'm when sure I look, our players are a fan of that. Yeah, now when I listen to like, you know, classic country stuff, but hey, look, that's the same. Yeah. They did the same arrangement that Shell did. You know, as far as like, hey, that's just the back half of their course for the yeah. solo arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Isn't like Stand By Your Man, isn't that just like a long verse and then a bunch of courses? And a modulation. And a modulation. And a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you it gotta throw a mod in there, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, well, another thing we'd never modulated before on a record. I was always too scared to try it. I just yeah, didn't yeah. think I could ease in the middle of a song, you know. But I think well, on this record, we did it like three times yeah. and just nailed it. I mean, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. natural. It's one. It's. I, I think that it was one of those things where we were putting too much thought into it. Yeah, before. overthinking it. Yeah, sure. definitely overthinking. Like, oh, how am I supposed to do this? And then when it was kind of presented to us, we were both just like, oh, this, I remember here from here. I remember seeing time to ramble because they want you to just do you know one take. They don't you know they won't stop you because uh, you know halfway through a take if you mess something up, you know it, it wrecks your confidence. You know, so they were really good in the studio. Show was really good with that. Uh, you know, just get all the way through it. And then if there's something I didn't, you know, we'll go back and do it. So I thought, well, when I do my vocal for Time to Ramble, because remember, I had to overdub my vocals because I was in the live band. Right. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to try to sing straight up to the modulation. I'll probably ruin it, but I'm going to do it and nail it. Yeah. I was wow. like, hey, I really overthought this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, so I was proud of myself. Okay. You yeah. can hear myself, me patting myself on the back if you listen hard enough. yeah man uh when you guys when you guys were doing how many days did you spend doing that record like just a couple like recording total so we only you know we went out there in um july for the first two and we were only there for two days uh the band was done on the like middle of the first day and then we yeah. just had to do vocals. The and then tracked everything. Unbelievable. Willie came in to the studio and he was like, so are we going to do just like the band stuff today and the vocals tomorrow? And Shell goes, they'll be done by one thirty. 
I don't even know by one o'clock, and by one thirty they, they were, were done. They were yeah. picking up. The and we didn't get there till like ten. So it was yeah, we fantastic. didn't get there till ten. Uh, and the second time we were out there for four days, but yeah. the band was there for a day and a half. Yep. Jesus. So all in total, six days. That's amazing. But had we planned to do, had we planned originally to do eight out of the gate, I'm sure they would have. We would have been done in four. They would, yeah, yeah, we would have been done in four. That's, That's mixing and everything. Yeah, mixing and everything was done in those six days. So these guys. They would come in and it was kind of like an old, uh, like the old school way of doing something. They come yeah, into the session, you sit down and show them your thing. They make their little charts with their numbers probably. Yeah, they had- yeah we had, everybody had charts. Uh, so the engineer, Johnny Lee Shell, um, was real good. He would, he and, and Shell Tommy would sit and listen to our demo versions, come up with whatever they wanted to change on like arrangement wise and stuff. And then Johnny Lee Shell would make charts for the band. And then and we changed the charts like five times. They, they have, I was going to say, it's kind of a waste of time. Johnny Lee yeah. Shell would be, uh, it's so funny, Johnny Lee Shell tell me. Yeah. Because there's two shells in the studio, yeah. you know. Right. But uh, Johnny would have that, uh, Johnny Lee Shell also, let's not forget that guy's incredible. You know, he's played for Bonnie Ray for a bunch of years, Taj Mahal and John Fogarty. Buddy guy. He played all the guitar on Car Wheels on a Gravel Road for Lucinda Williams, you know. Jesus. Uh, that guy was just so zen. He's who I want to be when I grow up, but... You know, so he'd get up. We'd talk about arrangements and change stuff, and he'd get up, chewing on a cigar the whole time. He'd, he'd go over to piano and change his notes, and, and he'd just somber over to the bass player and change his, you know. <laughs> yeah, know, it was, it was You know, he'd be like, well, crap, we're going to make, now we're changing this. It, yeah. It was really an experience, but I did feel the whole time, I was like, man, this is what it felt like to make a record in the 60s. Yeah. With a national agent. You know, so you go over the intros, the outros, and what you're going to do on the solo breaks, you run through it, and then maybe run through it twice. Yeah, and then even the solos. There were no overdub solos. All the solos were done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it was, was really quite the experience. I'm a huge fan yeah. of of. I think of, you can hear that in the record. Yeah. Oh no, totally. You can hear it. You can feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. off the grid. It's not some fucking. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's nice yeah. to. I think I, I definitely feel, I love all of our albums, don't get me wrong, but when I hear that, I definitely feel something sonically and spiritually in it. That's where, you know, uh, that I don't have on any other recording that I've ever done throughout any of my my solo career or the Waymore's career. Yeah. And Shell really has, has, uh, uh, like just from You Really Got Me to this record, like a band playing in a room, he knows how to capture that shit. Oh, oh yeah, does, man. yeah, sure. And so, in one, uh, an interview came out today. I think it was with um, Americana UK, UK, and the guy uh, Martin Johnson asked Shell, um, you know, have you changed very much about how you record people since the days when you were like, you know, hit after hit after hit? And Shell said, "Well, the technology has changed a bit, but no, yeah. I haven't changed the way that I mic things and the yeah. way that you know I record things because there's no reason to." That it, it, sounds good. it sounds good and why change like I was just blown away by him just saying no I mean he definitely uses you know like we use pro tools in this oh yeah uh, you know it's not like an analog he's a fan of that you know he's not like one of those guys let's go in and go that's a waste of it's all how you mic it how you get it on the front end yeah you know right. and uh but man he's really because he can you know because he can't see so you know he'll uh we'll go through a whole take uh and he'll go, you know, second verse, 
second bar, you know, you're a little flat on the word, boom. And, you know, it's like, it's just amazing how he can dial yeah. that back in. It's amazing and uh, wildly nerve-wracking. Yeah. yeah. His ears are <laughs> yeah. The other ears funny are- thing was, you know, we went into a studio and did demos, acoustic demos with just us and uh, our acoustic guitars to send to shell. You know, and it costs us money, you know. I mean, pre-production stuff costs us, you know, studio time. You can't do anything here with, yeah. in this industry without spending a little bit. Yeah, and uh, Michelle would send us back notes. We're going to, oh, with all these different arrangements, you know, it's like, no, we're not going to do this here. We're going to be like, well, I can't go back and re-record it. We don't have the time <laughs> or the money. But uh, some of those, uh, like the beginning of Flashbacks of a Fool, when he would tell us, it's just going to be acapella. And, you know, we were like, what? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense we, to me. We didn't I don't hear it at first. But once we heard it, you know, we were yeah. like, oh, that's why he's shell sounding. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's interesting what somebody else's ears can bring to your music. Like you, yeah. someone hears something just in a just completely different way than you do. Yeah. 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 We told ourselves going into this that we weren't, you know, we realized that he wasn't compromising. It still sounds like a Waymore's record. But it, he wasn't compromising our integrity. Uh, we wasn't trying to make a pop country record or anything, you know. Sure. So we knew that. Much. So we, but that understanding of mine, you know, we told ourselves that we are just going to go in and be the vocalist on a Shell Tommy record. Yeah, right? yeah. Even though we wrote the song, we just surrendered to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm not going to go in there with what I think, you know, yeah. or what I do. You know, I'm going to we're going to listen to Shell, and we're, we're just going to. We almost called the album the, uh, the Tommy Tommy Day. Yeah. But we didn't. We decided to go with it. The record label wanted us to, you know, have a track, a title track from the album. But uh, we went in with just very much like we are going to do what Shell says do. You know, no, we're not. We're going to leave our opinions out of it unless asked for. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, which I mean, it really did turn into one of the most collaborative yeah, was, uh, was, albums that we've ever done. Which is, I mean, that's great. I, I was thrilled that we both went in saying we're going to say yes to everything because it's shell tell me. Um, and I think that opens a lot of doors when you just agree to say yes. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Uh, it yeah. opens a lot of doors for you that you wouldn't have otherwise, you know, that you might just be too kind of, uh, well, you're, of. you're kind of, you know, we realize you're kind of a jackass. If you don't go into the state, it'd be different if it's some other producer, right. You know, but I mean, it's shell town. This yeah. guy changed rock and roll. Yeah. You know, he is yeah. honestly one of the, most, you know, he changed rock and roll, you know, uh, he's one, you know, so it's, so it's like, you're kind of a jackass if you don't just go in yeah. there and just go, yes, sir. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we wanted the full tell me experience and that includes saying yes to some things that might've made us uncomfortable at first, but they all turned out to be like, once we heard it all, we were just like, Oh, well, you know, I fun- get it now. Yeah. And, and so he- with Shell, go ahead. Oh no. He's American. Yeah, he's yeah, American. Yeah, he's American. He, like, he got his first, uh, like, number one hits over I in I was UK. just going to yeah. say that. You're talking about a guy who went over there. They, I don't remember what label he was working for at the time, but they wanted him to go over there uh, and just kind of spy around, see what was happening, you know. And they gave him, I don't remember which song it was, but they gave him the masters to a song that he didn't even produce to go over there and use his credentials to say that he had never – it had a number one hit, but he took this song, which was a number one, I think. <laughs> and they figured out that he was lying. He'd already had like four number one hits. So yeah. they were like, you know, yeah. I love it. I love it. He went over there with a fake resume. That's yeah. some shit you could only do before the internet. That's right? Before yeah. the internet, right? right? 
Um, but he's just, you know, an amazing guy. It's kind of, uh, he, you know, he just sits in the chair right there in front of the speakers and he'll tell, you know, the engineer, Johnny Lee, he'll say, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's get ready to do another take or a hit. But you know, he will ask everybody what they thought, you know, what did everybody think? You know, I didn't hear anything. And Shell's got the magic ears, you know, sure. he, like I said, are you, are uh, you were off? You hit a flat note here, mm-hmm. you know, right. You know, halfway through the song, third bar, whatever, you know, um, he was a lot more collaborative than I thought he would be. Yeah. But yeah. there were certain things that he was like, no, we're going to do it this way. That's how it was done. If he asked for collaboration, you gave it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you shut up. Yeah. Or he would strike us again with a ring. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Willie, um, did you, were you always in Atlanta? No, I, I was born, I uh, grew up in Rome, Georgia. I lived in Atlanta for a while when I got first got home out of the military, but I got a record deal when I was living in Florida and moved to Nashville. I was in Nashville for a while and uh, about went insane. And then when I came home from Nashville, I was on Chicken Ranch. I was originally on Cargo Headhunter out of San Diego, uh, which had big drill car. They had a uh, rocket from the crypts. They okay. had, uh, uh, you know, some other big bands. Um, and, but I was running around at the time with Hank Williams III. And when I got my record deal, he was like, you can't live in Florida, man. You got it. You know, the internet was right at the beginning. I got my record deal right when MP3s became a thing, you know, in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, um, I mean, late nineties. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. And, uh, he was like, you got to move to Austin or Nashville, man. You can't be living in Florida. So, I've been running around a bunch with some friends in Nashville and uh, my daughter was in Birmingham at the time and still is. But uh, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't go to Austin. At least if I'm in Nashville, if there's something wrong with my daughter, I can be in, you know, Birmingham in three hours. I can yeah. you know, get my car and drive, you know? So I, uh, I went to Nashville and man, did it wear me out. Went through honky tonk high school. Yeah. I went through honky tonk high school in Nashville. When you when you went there, were you kind of put in the machine like the songwriting things in the day and all that stuff? Uh, oh, man. The only, only thing I wanted to do, and uh, like what Hank Three and a bunch of my other friends told me to do, was all I wanted to do. All I wanted out of Nashville was Lower Broadway. I just wanted to play Lower Broadway. Taught me how to be a good band leader because I played like four nights a week, you know. And uh, I was writing, so I did. Sorry, baby, I hit shoulder. I did. Um, I did the Bluegrass Inn, which is called, now it's called Layla's. But uh, when I first got there, that's where I did my my schooling there. So, you know, I would do like Wednesday and Thursday, uh, like four hours a night. And, uh, but then on Friday and Saturdays, I did uh, 10 to 12 and the Shack Shakers did uh, 12 to 2. Um, legendary Shack Shakers. And, you know, you just learn you learn how to interact with an audience. Yeah. You're always you're playing for somebody. Keep, teaches you how to put a band together, how to be a band leader. That only thing I ever wanted out of Nashville was Lower Broadway. I never, I had a few people like, let's write some songs, but it just never, never worked. I never, I never tried to be part of the machine, even though I did find myself on Music Row a couple of times with a couple of promises that wind up going sour. And I was like, I'm, that's the reason, one of the reasons I left. I was like, I'm a fool. You know, I, why, why did I even take mm-hmm. this meeting? Right, what did I think right. was going to happen? I was like, uh, 
it's, it's, I've met a lot of great people in Nashville, but not, uh, not any, you know, not, not record label people that were good or, you know, chicken ranch. I got on chicken ranch in Austin. I mean, and they started out in Nashville and then relocated okay. to Austin. I, uh, but I didn't have a good experience in, in Nashville apart from the lower Broadway learning. Now it's a completely different thing. It's so overrun with just pop country idiots down there that you can't, you know, people with white tennis shoes on and face shirts, you know, with, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I can't, I tried to secure it, never been. And, uh, we went back through to play a show at somewhere off lower Broadway. And I tried to drive her downtown and just show her, you know, well, this is where I did my thing, you know, for five years, I cut my, I, you know, I was already touring before I got to Nashville, but you know, lower Broadway was what everybody said. You know, it's like, just play lower Broadway. You'll okay. learn so much. And, and I did, man, I learned, I'm a good band leader. Now I know how to, I can pick, five guys out of a room that I've never played with. And I can play you. I can probably play it for three hours, you know? And it's like, you learn how to lead a band. You learn how to interact with an audience. And those things I brought, you know, to the Waymores when, you know, half of our, you know, most our most, one of our biggest appeals is our stage banter and our, our co- communicating with the audience. You know, we always have that mindset that we're just playing to people in our living room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, like involve the people, you know, don't bitch and whine. Nobody wants to hear, you know, nothing kills me more. You would see people, uh, even on lower Broadway, you know, they get up and tell this 10 minute depressing story about this five minute depressing song. They were going to play. It's like, I can get that from the song. I don't, I don't need the 10 minute story, you know, before most people, you know, one of the things you learn is that, man, those people are coming to escape all of that already. It's okay to play a fast song, but they're coming here because they're, you know, they work a rough blue collar job. You know, they're in debt, their woman's cheating or they're cheating or something. They come to forget about life's woes. They don't need to be slapped in the face with your misery when they come say it in your song. Right. You know, I just, I learned a lot down there. Uh, but now man, it's just lower Broadway is not what it was. Uh, JD and I from the Shack Shakers, we used to always make the joke that we were the last of like the real, it was, a, it was, you really learned. You're playing for that pit jar, man. Yeah. Hey, they give you $20 a man down there. I didn't drink the entire time I lived in Nashville because I'd pay my guys and then they have to turn around and go give it right back to the bar. You know, you learn so much. You're playing for that pit jug. It is honky tonk high school, mm-hmm. you know, but now it's, that's all kind of gone. Now it's just, you know, it's just a zoo down there. You know, I don't think that. You know, it's like a bachelorette party, party destination. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah. what it is. Yeah, sad. Uh, Austin's like that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was very relevant when I went there, and that's the only thing I went there for. I didn't go there. I had a record deal um, at the advice of some of my friends that were established better than I. They were like, "Go there and play Lower Broadway. Screw everything else. Just play Lower Broadway. That's where you're going to find your players." Yeah. First off, that everybody that plays for somebody when they're not playing, they're playing down on lower Broadway. Of course, this was, you know, this was a long time ago. Um, but I got what I needed out of Nashville, and then I moved on. You know, it's like my, you know, it's finally the time to stop playing lower Broadway. The Shack Shakers moved on, started touring, and I fell into the headlining slot. And then eventually, I moved on from down there. Right. You know, you're not supposed to stay out forever as an act, as a player. I'm sure that part of your stable but as as the performer you need to move on yeah 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 
I've always thought about that as Austin like that. It's like a great place to, to get your thing together and then go, go take it to the people. Yeah, yeah. you have to take all that knowledge somewhere. You can't just yeah. sit there with it. Well, it's school. It's called school. You know, unless you're going to get a master's, just become a teacher or a coach, <laughs> you know, when you're in school. So you can say it's a school, but that's exactly right. That, uh, you know, you learned all this stuff. I'll take it and, and use it out in the real world. It's a trade school. It's honky-tonk trade school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I was wondering, because I, I saw in your thing that you kind of were playing rockabilly and stuff. I didn't know if you were part of, like, that whole, like, uh, you know, there's like a whole scene from there, like Dash Rip Rock, aren't they from Atlanta? Yeah. Well, for the record, I don't know why it was ever, I never played rockabilly. I always played country because okay. I had an upright, there, you know, everybody, you know, you're loading in some bar and you see some jack off at the bar goes, hey man, play rock this town. Not that I don't like the straight cats, but right. it's like, man, I'm not. But, you know, and sometimes the other difference is the subject matter. You know what I mean? Country talks about, you know, real grown man problems and, yeah, yeah. and rockabilly. Yeah. Talk ops and hot rocks, which is fine. But it's like, I'm not playing rockabilly. You know, I play Billy, but it's not rockabilly. It's just hill. It's just hill, Billy. <laughs> right, right. That's interesting. Uh, that's a uh, quote from your thing that I really liked that uh, was that the Waymores take what's real about life and relationship and adds music. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I was always taught, so Willie, I didn't play guitar or anything or, or write songs before I met Willie. I was just trying to flirt and it got carried away. (laughs) Um, But uh, when I first started writing songs, he and some other people that were uh, kind of, you know, helping me at the time would always tell me like, write what you know, stick to what you know. Right. Uh, So it was always about, you know, like just our lives. Yeah. Uh, There was some brutal heartaches back then, not only from Willie, but uh, you know, just writing about men. And like when we first met, I was, it was song after song after song after song after song just, you know, every week. And I would always come to him and be like, listen, do you want to hear this one? Do you want to hear this one? I wrote this one. And he's like, no, girl. I, I, I did a dry think- spell writing. I hadn't written anything good in a while. <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear another awesome-ass damn song you wrote. I haven't written anything in five years, really. I mean, it had, like I had a spell where I just couldn't, nothing was coming out of me. Um, Why? But also, um, she took, you know, like literally almost overnight, she learned how to play guitar, you know, and then she would come to me with a song and I'm like, all right, that's cool. But that's starting to sound like this song that you wrote. Why don't you try to write a song with just two chords in it? Or why don't you just try to write a song, you know, without a bridge or why don't you, you know, try to write a waltz, try to write a waltz, you know, and she would, she'd come in, she would take her assignment, go home, come back the next day. She was a natural. She was a sponge. She was very skilled at flirting. (laughs) She took it. (laughs) Took it right away. You know, I mean, she learned. Like literally overnight, like G, C, and D. Didn't even know what they were called. Just knew what the chords were. I would watch him on stage, and I'd watch his like finger positions on the guitar, and I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. And then, uh, I mean, I did grow up around. My brother uh, is an un- incredible musician. Uh, my ex-husband is a great musician. And I could always sing, but I never knew how to play. My brother was so good. It was to the point where when he played, he played so fast and so um, much that it made it look really like just, you know, you, it wasn't a tangible thing that you could watch him right, and learn right, from him. Right. So, and you were just like, what the hell? And then, then I just, I had never even really heard country music before I met Willie. Uh, and he was playing junior Brown on stage at a dive bar in Marietta about like a hundred feet from where I live. And I was just, whew, I wanted everything on that stage. So 
I went home and learned a few chords and wrote a song and flirted my ass off until I got him. <laughs> just one day. Just one day. <laughs> just for like one day because you wouldn't flirt back with me. You yeah. were mean to me. Of course I didn't like it. So I tried to convince myself that I hated him. <laughs> then the second time I saw him, he was nice to me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> were you, did you, were you going back to see the band again? I was going back to see the band. So, um, my brother and I had a band where I was just singing and we were just doing covers of like top 40 garbage. Uh, that was like, you know, like I guess nineties top 40, it was like, you know, Cheryl Crow and shit. It right, just right. wasn't very good, but it was all, you know, it was fun. Cause I was with my brother and, uh, we played at the same place that Willie was playing at, but he was like the new guy in town. And um, then this big ensemble called the No Count Palookas kind of brought us both on with them and they wanted me to be the girl singer. And Willie, everybody else would kind of switch off instruments. And- yeah, I, play, I would play upright. I'm a, I started, because my whole career started way before I started my solo career. I was an upright player. This is before you could find an upright player, you know, everywhere. But, uh, so I would play upright some, guitar some, sing some, and uh, we would all kind of rotate in an Opry-style fashion. And we right. were the house band at the bar that she's talking about. And I was the girl singer, and they would treat me like I was the girl singer. And so that was yet another reason to learn how to play guitar and write songs so that I they would be nicer to me. <laughs> um, or just be more a little more respectful, I guess. It was just something that I... I liked doing it. It was a cool. It happened on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. We wound up that little outfit wound up doing some corporate things and a few other gigs, but it was just something that I would do when I wasn't on the road. Yeah. Right. And whenever I would kind of help organize it and I was like, you know, you guys, we could be making some money with this cause it's really cool. And, uh, you know, we had piano and banjo and mandolin and it was just mm-hmm. a lot of instruments, you know? Right. And I was like, you know, it sounded really good. And there was a really bunch of good songwriters in it. But man, the moment I would leave, that shit would just collapse in on itself. Yeah. Those guys would just fight and squat, you know. It was awesome. And then we we kept everything that was worth keeping out of it. Here and I and our buddy, uh, our buddy T Bone, who was the drummer in that, who drums for us every now and again. Yeah. But uh, you know, but still, it was a, it was a neat time in our lives when we when we met. If it were there weren't the no count palookas, there wouldn't be us today. Yep. Look at that. The Waymores. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you guys do this, uh, when you guys do this trip to the West and you come through here and stuff, are you? Is it just the two of you on that tour? Yeah. Okay, that'll be good, man. Just a we have big plans to do a lot more full band stuff next year. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, um, expensive. We're trying. It's, it, is expensive. it is expensive. We're trying to, uh, you know, get in talks with some booking agencies because right now we're doing everything ourselves and it is difficult. Okay. Um, so we're, we're doing our best. We're going to try probably January, uh, to do a small run with the full band and kind of see how it goes. And we're, we're always going to like fall back on the duo stuff because that's what we love the most. That's what brought us. And, you know, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, you dance the one that brought you. So, uh, we'll do that, but I would like, you know, probably about 75% of our, our shows to be full band. Next it year. may have to start out at 50% and work its way up, but we are ready for that. The funny thing is it's the snake that eats itself because, we started the way more because we didn't want to have to pay a right, band. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I knew better than to make a record with just acoustic songs, you know, uh, you know, that gets a little boring, you know, 
so we knew when we made records, we wanted to use a full band. So we write these songs acoustic, work them up with the full band, and then have to rework them up into acoustic mm-hmm. versions that are compatible, you know, still believable from the record. There's which three versions of every song that we have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but now it's kind of for the growth that it's taken on, which we never expected. Um, for it to get to a bigger point, we have to start doing some full band stuff just to, yeah. you know, just to show growth. Well, I'm hopefully I'll pop into one of these shows when you're here. Probably yeah, not. We'll leave your name at the door. Yeah, we'll leave your name at the door if it's a ticketed I'll, one. I'll let you know then for sure. Uh, I go to Continental Club all the time. That's my. Yeah. I'm really, really hoping that that I show works so out. Too. Me too. Even if it doesn't, we're going to be there seeing the Mellows. <laughs> they're amazing. Because they're incredible. Uh, so either way, you know, come out that night and we'll buy you a drink. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to meet you guys in person. I really, I love this record and, and what you guys do. You. You're really great. And can I tell you something you. that's going to sound weird? And it's by no means, I don't mean to be creepy at all. That's fine. When I, I'm 54. And when I was young, there was this hot lady movie star named Pia Zadora. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. You saying I look like her? Yes, that's exactly what I said. That's why I didn't want to bump Kira out, but Willie looks so much like Pia Zadora. Okay, I'll have to look her up now. Look her up. She was very pretty. Thank you very much. Yeah, or at least, at, at least the whole world thought so. Okay, that's but enough yeah, no, for this me. Has been, this has been really great. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys and seeing you guys play in person. And this record's great. People get out there and check out the waymores.com, Greener Pastures, this record. Uh, this will come out after uh, next week after the record's out. But congratulations. You can also get it on vinyl from Chicken yes. Ranch yes. Records. Yes. Yeah. You can do that. Or at one of our shows. We'll be selling vinyl at shows, too. Oh, Yeah. Okay, real quick before you go, that's one of my worries now, like with this new heat thing, is like, how in the hell, like you can't even stop at like 7-Eleven and go in and get a pack of gum without melting all your shit. There are some cases that you can buy. They're kind of like Pelican cases, but they're uh, specifically for vinyl to keep it protected. Um, We have one of those. We also, in our old tour van, we built like a space underneath that would stay super cool. Because there's like two, it acted like uh, it stayed super cool because it had so many levels of shade. We built a bed and we put all the gear underneath it. But wow. also a trick is or that we do is we always pull up and get it under the gas pumps like we're getting gas, even if not because it's shaded. Yeah, yeah. You know, it keeps because that keeps the vehicle cool. Road light road, tricks. Road tricks. Yeah, yeah. You know, we always make the. How do you think we're getting gas? And we're not. <laughs> I just I, want the shade. I did that yesterday in Bucky's coming back from Houston with my dog. <laughs> yeah. I love See, like, We need the shade. We got gear. We got wooden instruments in there. We got vinyl. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so we pull under like we're going to get gas. And, yeah. You know, don't. But now that we said all that, somebody's going to get like a warped vinyl. Yeah. Um, no. Thanks, guys. No, no. Um, oh, one more question, Willie. What is that weird? Is that a Fender acoustic that you play in a lot of those videos? It is. It's a 1980s Fender Malibu. So, it's so cool, right? You know, that's yeah, the same. It's so super the, cool. They, it is super cool. In the, in the 60s, they released those first. They named uh, uh, a Fender after, like, all the towns on, on the West Coast. Right, right. You know, you see Johnny Cash and Buck Owens playing them, and yeah. then they, re, they, they did them again in the 80s, which is what I have. And they've redone them now recently, but they're just garbage. I mean, they're cutaways, and they... You know, oh, but sense. mine's from the. I love it. It's like my favorite. It's my favorite. And what's yours, uh, Kira? That Gibson. It's a Gibson J one hundred. Oh yeah, look at you. Yeah. What yeah. year is it? 
Is it old? Uh, it's 2018. No, it's a 2016. Yeah, yeah. 2016. It's not, I wish that it was. It looks old. I would lie. It looks like it has can't. some character. Yeah, so it's, it's, definitely it's taken a beating. It's taken a beating. It's been all over the country. Uh, it got it, yeah, all over Europe, all UK. It's been everywhere. Um, it got its first like big, you know, hatchet wound in uh, Europe. Yeah. Uh, from a sound guy. Sound guy knocked it. Knocked it over. And, he knocked uh, the base into oh, it. Oh, he knocked the base yeah. into it, and then it fell over, and then he was just like, "Yeah." but no apologies or anything. Yeah. He just knocked his $5,000 guitar. But it, like, people think that it's crazy that that's my touring guitar, uh, but that's my only guitar. So yeah. I don't really, I'd love to get, like, you know, I, we have a Washburn here at the house, but uh, its innards are messed we up. We have a so, couple of beaters, but yeah. it's our, those are our two nicest guitars. And see, sonically, what we like to do on the road you know, when, especially when it's just a duo, we play a lot of harmony guitar, you know, and, but also Kira's got a higher pitch voice and a deeper sounding guitar. And I have a deep voice. I've always liked my guitar to sound a little thinner, a little yeah, contrast. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want a deep sounding guitar. I've got a deep voice. I want something to, you know, contrast, yeah. you know, just so sonically it works better. Yeah. It that doesn't way. all sound like mud. When we play together, frequencies are, it's a lot more appealing than both of us having the same, you know, guitars that sound alike and turns into mud. Yeah. It's brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Well, we have each other's numbers. Hit me up when you come to town and I've seriously, I'll come right. and have a drink so with I'm you at Continental Club or come see you play there or maybe at that giddy up show. Please, yeah. thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's great, great talking to you guys and thank you. I'm glad we yeah. were able to work it out. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Nice so meeting you. Yeah. Congratulations, right, too. Thank you. Gang, that was Kira and Elise and Willie Heath Neal, The Waymores. Their album, Greener Pastures, came out last Friday. Available now on all streaming services and on vinyl. Available on Chicken Ranch Records. Go to thewaymores.com to find out how to get... Uh, Get involved with getting that stuff. And also, they're kicking off their Greener Pastures album release tour today, Friday, September 1st, in Pensacola, Florida. They'll be in the region uh, throughout September a couple of times. So go to thewaymores.com. Find out when they're coming to a town near you. They're heading out to the... I mean, they're hitting all of America. So just get out there and check it out, okay? Go to thewaymores.com. Find out. Uh, I want to thank Kira and Willie for, for talking to me. Also, I didn't say this in the intro, but I ended up listening to that podcast, Cocaine and Rhinestones. I listened to like three episodes. It's fucking great. Get out there and check it out. That's a great podcast that talks about country music, sort of the dark, hidden history of country music, which is really fascinating, by the way. Very juicy. And don't forget, gang, when you're out there checking out the Waymores or you're checking out Cocaine and Rhinestones, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you find podcasts. Be it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast. Stitcher is no longer available, guys. It's gone. It left this week. It's over. So if you were subscribed on Stitcher, get off of it. Subscribe. Like it. Leave us some stars. Let us know how we're doing. All right? And you, have a great weekend. Whatever it is you're doing, here's the song Greener Pastures, the rest of it from uh, The Waymores. Have a great weekend. Let's get down. In a greener pasture. What's it worth? to have a smile Let's leave this town Let's go hard wild Pull up your roots And find what matters We should be after Greener pastures This old town Is a disaster We should be after 
Yeah. 